We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A dot com. Thanks for listening. So John 20 talks this way. It says, as the Father, this is Jesus, looking into the eyes of his disciples and looking into your eyes this morning saying, as the Father sent me, this is Jesus talking, so now I send you. So back in John 3.17, it says, the Father didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. So God sent Son Jesus and now Jesus, as he's going back to heaven, the last, some of the last words he spoke over us as his followers was, now I'm sending you in the same way that God sent me, Jesus says, is the same way that I'll, now I'm sending you. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about that mission. What does it mean to be on Team Jesus? What does it mean to be an ambassador of Jesus? And how does our mission reflect his mission. Here's the good news as we start out this series, this message, and that is that it doesn't totally rely on you. Isn't that good news? See, the good news is that even though Jesus went back to heaven, his Holy Spirit came, and his Holy Spirit is working wherever you go. He's, he's in your neighborhood. He's in your school. He's already there. You didn't bring Jesus with you wherever you went. All right? He was already there. He's already working. He's working in your friends' lives. He's working in your boss's life. You may not believe that. All right? But he's already working. Your, your job isn't to bring Jesus somewhere. It's to recognize what he's already doing in the lives of the people around you and get involved in that. See, Jesus went into messy places and he hang out, hung out with messy people. And the closer you become to the mission of Jesus good news, bad news, the mess of your life may look. Because you're going into some pretty dark and hard places. Good news, the Holy Spirit's already there. He's already working. He's already doing his thing. So Emma and I, when we were talking about this series, I thought it best to say, how can we get on mission with God? What would it take for us to do that? And in my life, I like to live with habits. Habits for me help me do the right thing even when it's hard, even when I'm forgetful. How many of you have the habit of brushing your teeth? Few of you don't. All right. Take note. Why do we have a habit of brushing our teeth? Because it's a good thing to do. We actually want to do it. So we tie habits to the things that are important. And sometimes we get so busy, don't we? We're going about our family's life. We're going about our business life. We forget this idea that I'm a follower of Christ and I'm an ambassador of Christ. And he sent me on mission to do what he was doing and represent him to those that he misses. So what Emma and I did in preparation for this series was create an acronym. Because here's the deal, you're Hope Church, right? Thank you, Emma. Does anybody else Hope Church? Hope, okay, you're Hope, you're Hope Church. And as Hope Church, I don't know if Emma actually says this every time you leave, but if I were you, I'd be like, and get out of here and be Hope Dealers, right? 
You, you have a message. You've received a message of hope. You've been transformed by that message of hope. Now you're hope dealers in your community. So we created an acronym for things, H-O-P-E. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. There are four habits that I hope you will incorporate into your life to live like Jesus on mission. You ready? Four. H is this. Hear his voice. Here's the deal. You're sent on mission, but don't go there without listening to Jesus first. Some of us, like, it's ready, ready, aim, fire. Some of us are fire, ready, aim. Like, we get it all out of sorts, right? We rush into things we have no business rushing into. We make life more difficult than it has to be. We're not, list we're not in step with the Spirit. We're not hearing His voice, and we're not empowered by His voice. If you remember when Jesus, like, He's talking to the disciples, and, and He knew He was leaving, right? He said, wait in that upper room, until the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then go. Now, some of you are very ambitious, and so you go and hope the Holy Spirit finds you wherever you went, right? I'm just telling you, the first thing is, hear his voice. Don't rush in without Jesus with you and preceding you. Now, I said he's working, but he doesn't mean every single time jump in there and say whatever you want to say. Hear his voice. Know who he's leading you to, who he wants you to talk to. Seek him. He's doing things in the lives of others, but you've got to be praying for those others, spending time on your knees for people who are far from Jesus who Jesus misses, but wants you to be an ambassador of the kingdom for them. Here's what he said in Luke 24, 49. And I myself, I will send upon you what my father, he's talking about the spirit, has promised. But you must wait in the city until the power from above comes down on you. How many of you are good at waiting? I don't even see any hands. Usually there's like that outlier person like, yeah, I don't mind a red light every once in a while, right? We're not very good at waiting. Right? Let's do it today. Let's do it now. Let's do it yesterday. And I'm just telling you, when you're on mission with God, don't do it without God. Spend time on your knees. Spend time in prayer. Be making sure that you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. The, the, the scriptures talks about putting on the armor of God. You're, here's, here's what I know. If you're going after people who are currently under the influence of Satan and you begin to talk about the hope that resides inside of you and you're offering them that hope, hope guess who's not going to be pleased? Satan. He's going to be angry. You're walking into some difficult situations. Don't go alone. Make sure that you've heard the voice of the Lord. I would say it this, for, this way. Before we go we must stop. Stop and spend time on our knees praying for our friends, praying for our neighbors, praying for our schools, praying for our businesses. And here's what I know. God is powerful enough to reveal to you the time, the place, and the words that you are to speak when you actually get involved. We'll talk about that in a second. But if we go in our own strength with all of our well-meaning activity, it just simply becomes social activism. Like we're just, we're just doing good stuff. Like we're no better than the government at that point in time. Right? We do this in the Lord's strength with the Holy Spirit's help. See, where there's not a well-formed heart, 
There will not be a well-formed life, and we will rush into things we were never meant to get involved in, and Satan will eat us alive. So hear his voice. Solomon advises this. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So some of you men, like you're, you're on mission. You're like chasing things down for God. I'm just telling you, spend time nurturing your heart. Care for it. Nurture your heart as you go on mission. Because if our heart is malnourished, we will become susceptible to the onslaught of pride and ego and power abuse, and Satan will take you out. Be careful. I've spent enough time on the H, all right? What was H? Can you remember? Hear his voice, all right? You're hope dealers, right? It starts every single day by hearing his voice and spending time in his presence and putting on the armor of the Lord. Here's the second one. Open your lives. Hope dealers open their lives. That means we're opening up our homes. It means we're opening up our tables. My wife's name is Sherry. My first date with Sherry was a meal. Why is it so often that we go on a meal? Because a meal is a wonderful time to get to know another person, to invite them into your life, to understand more about them. Now, here's the deal. It wasn't a very good meal. I think it was Pizza Hut, right? It wasn't, you like Pizza Hut, stuffed crust? Like, all right, so... It wasn't a good meal, but obviously, I've now been married 35 years. It was good enough, right? Good enough for that moment in time. Important things happen across tables. Think about that. Perhaps, perhaps you reached across a table the very first time to take the hand of your beloved like I did, right? Important things happen across tables. Perhaps you remember important decisions being made around a table. Perhaps there was someone that you had gotten a fight with, right? You weren't getting along very well, but you met for a meal over a table. Important things happen at tables. Come on, Thanksgiving, right? Family, food, it, it, it happens around tables. Someone with whom we share food with is likely to be a friend, or well on the way to becoming one. The table is an important missional rhythm for you to be in. And that's awesome. How many of you eat? How many of you like to eat? How many of you eat 20 times, 21 times a week whether you have to or not? Right? We eat. I'm not, e I'm not even asking you to do something new. I'm just asking you to decide who are you going to eat with. Are there people that are far from God? He misses. And by you sharing a table with them, enjoying a meal with them, you're inviting them into your life. You're opening up. You're being vulnerable to them. You're being authentic, and you're being a hope dealer because you're sharing with them the hope that lies inside of you. You know, the civil rights movement, was represented by the fact that certain people were not allowed to eat with some other people. It was about not eating with others and not including them in community. I'm just telling you, when you eat with another person, it speaks volumes about inclusion versus exclusion. Let me go back to the mission of Jesus. 
Here's what it says in Scripture. You can look it up later. It's in Luke 19.10. It says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That was the mission. All right? Later on in Luke 7.34, it actually tells the strategy. Listen to his strategy. You're going to love this. Because you probably didn't realize that this was Jesus' strategy. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. That was his strategy. He spent time with people around tables. Jesus was seriously into eating and drinking. So much so, listen, so much so that his enemies actually begin to say, hey, you are doing that in excess. You know what? You're eating with people that are far from your father God too often. You have the wrong kind of people you're eating with. His mission strategy was a long meal stretching into the evening, letting the person that he was eating with know that they were missed by his heavenly father. That was his strategy. Let me read one for you. It's in Luke 5, 27 through 32. It says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector. Now, tax collectors, they were stealing money from everybody. Not today, of course, but in, in the passage here, right? The guy's name was Levi. He was sitting at his tax booth. He said, follow me. And Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything and followed him. And then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of other tax collectors and others were eating with them. Listen to the Pharisees. These are the folks that didn't like Jesus and the way he was doing ministry. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, you, you read through the Gospels when it describes Jesus' mission, and Jesus is either going to a meal, he's at a meal, or he just finished a meal. Come on, we love Jesus, don't we? Chick-fil-A. Right. See, Jesus is called a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's why, listen, that's why eating and drinking were so important in the mission of Jesus. It was actually a sign of his friendship with people that God missed. Now, mission is more than meals. We're going to get there, okay? Mission, mission is more than eating. You're pretty excited about it so far. Hey, I'm just praying and eating, right? It's not always easy, right? Because when you open up your lives, the second one was open up your lives, right? When you open up your lives, it gets messy. Because you're inviting people into your story. It gets complicated sometimes. But I'm going to say it again. How many of you already are eating? What if you just used your eating to participate in God's mission by eating with more people who are far from Jesus that he misses? Let them know they're included. Let them know that they are loved. You see, the objection that the Pharisees had was with the guest list. Who Jesus ate with. So maybe it's not just food. I talk a lot about food. I like food. But maybe you need to open up your life in a different way. Maybe it's crochet. 
Anyone? Anyone? Crochet. There you go. God's speaking to you this morning right there. Invite others to come and crochet with you. People who are far from God that he misses. Invite them into that circle. What do you do? What's the, what's the thing you do? Golf? Anybody? Any, golf too. Crochet and golf. You have lots of opportunities to talk to people, right? There's only one golfer in the entire... Croquet? I mean, what do you do? Croquet. There you go. All right. Invite people into croquet. What did I hear this morning? Um, Pokemon gyms? Right? So we're walking to the Pokemon gym. We're battling the Pokemon, right? We're trying to make sure they evolve. Come on, I know these things, all right? We got shinies the other day, so we're pretty excited about that. That's a good thing nowadays, right? All right. So whatever it is you're doing, keep doing it, but invite others who God misses to do it with you. That's what Jesus did. See, it seems to me that people who have no grace in their lives are the ones that have a hard time eating with people who are different, who are lost. So I'll say it one more time. You're going to eat anyway. You're going to crochet anyway. You're going to golf anyway. You're going to play Pokemon Go anyway, right? Why not do it with others that Jesus misses? You don't have to add anything to your schedule. You just have to live on purpose. H is what? Hear from God. Hear his voice. What's the O? Open your lives. We're on P, all right? P is provide for needs. So you're starting your week. You're starting your day. You're praying. You're on your knees. You're asking God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? Whose life should I be involved in? You're opening up your lives to those people. You're eating with them. You're playing croquet. You're going out on Pokemon Go expeditions with them, all right? And you're keeping your eyes open to serve them, to meet their needs, to listen for what they're walking through. See, Jesus served people as he ate with them, right? And it described what happened after that. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Let me give you an example. In Mark chapter 7, verse 31, it says, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre. And he went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. And after he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his finger in the man's ears. And then he spit and touched the man's tongue. It was not a COVID season at that point in time, okay? He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, which means be open. And at this, the man's ears were open. His tongue was loose. And then he began to speak plainly. And Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So here we are. As you listen to God, Right As you hear his voice, as you open up your life to people, croquet, Pokemon, whatever it is you're doing, who is God putting in your way? Who is he putting in your path? Who is he speaking to you about in your prayers? And how can you begin to meet their needs? Now, those may be physical needs. Those could be financial needs. Those could be emotional needs. 
I don't know, but be listening to God and be watching. Whether that's at work, whether that's at your play, whether that's at your neighborhood, he has either sent you the people you are to serve or he is sending you to the people he wants you to serve if you're on mission, if you're listening. So I'll give you kind of three easy steps inside of this. You're going to have to learn to be perceptive. Because if you're on mission, you're actually being intentional about this. You're hanging out with people, you're eating with people, and you're being perceptive about their lives as they share them with you. You show a little bit of empathy. Empathy hard for anybody? Right? Just putting yourself in their shoes, listening to them, right? But whoever we're called to serve, man, we need to feel their pain. We need to enter into their lives. And it gets personal, right? But here's the deal. This is why we're not a social service agency, because we now actually have God working on our side. Did you see what Jesus did? Like, whatever he did, like ears, tongue, like things changed because God was involved in the relationship. And I would say this, ask God to work on that person's behalf. Believe that he can, what did we say? He can do it again, right? He's not done working. You're his ambassador. Pray on behalf of the people around you. Meet their needs. You have God, the, the power of God available to you. So let me remind you that when you're meeting needs and serving people, if they're sick, sure, help them with their hospital bill. Help them get to the hospital. But pray that they might be healed. If they have an addiction, ask God to free them of it. If they're in a relationship that is hopeless, ask God to reconcile them or make it clear that they're not supposed to be with that person. You have access to a powerful God. He is as much in this relationship as you. As a matter of fact, he was working in that person before you ever got involved. He's just inviting you to watch what he's going to do through you. Don't be afraid to ask God for a miracle. Okay? What's H? Hear his voice. What's O? What's P? Provide for needs. Okay? Provide for their needs. Here's the final one. E. Ready? Express the reason for your hope. Come on, y'all. Your hope church. Right? Was that woof woof? All right. So in the context of growing listening, staying connected to Christ, going to the places that you are sent and opening up your lives, eating with people and intentionally meeting needs, here's what I would say. Don't forget to tell your story of hope. Don't forget to tell how Jesus transformed your life and turned your life from despair to hope. I enjoy a good story, right? I enjoy watching movies. They tell stories about transformation. But I believe that the story of Jesus is the best story that's ever been told. And the way he worked in your life is the second best story ever told. Tell it often. Tell it well. You see, when you remember this story, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but Jesus had this encounter with this woman at the well. She'd had a rough background. And he told her all about his life. And she went back after that encounter with Jesus. Everything changed. She went back and told everybody about how Jesus is real and how they needed to meet the Savior. She, what'd she do? She told her story. 
And it says in John 4 that everybody she went back to in her hometown believed that day. I keep repeating this. You started in prayer. You opened your life to someone else. You began to meet their needs. And now you just tell your story. Because by the time you've prayed for them, spent time on your knees for them, you've opened up your lives for them, and you've met needs for them, in most cases, you've earned the right to share your story with them. John 3, 1 through 5, there was a man of the Pharisee sect. This is the guys who didn't like Jesus. This time, though, his name's Nicodemus. He's a prominent leader among the Jews. And late one night, he visited Jesus and said, Rabbi, we all know you're a teacher straight from God. No one could do all the God-pointing, God-revealing acts you do if God weren't in on it. Jesus said, you're absolutely right. Take it from me, unless a person is born from above, it's not possible to see what I'm pointing to, to God's kingdom. Let me stop there. In the stories that you tell, the stories of your life, the stories of the life you used to live, and the story of your life that you're living now, are you pointing to the kingdom? Are you pointing to Jesus in those conversations? I would say this. Don't just, don't get good at just telling good stories. Tell God's stories. What's God doing in your life today that's worth telling others about. How has your life changed since you started following Jesus? Tell about how your story got caught up in the grander story of Jesus and how your life hasn't looked the same ever since. And I would say let the Holy Spirit move. Be vulnerable in your life with others. Tell your story and how he turned your life upside down. Now here's the deal. It's really, really easy to stick with weather, sports, it's, it's easy to stick with Pokemon. Come on, right? I had some Pokemon out there earlier. All right. I'm just telling you, don't, don't rush into the story, but don't chicken out either. When it's your time to tell your story, you are ambassador of the king. Tell his story well. Don't fail to point to God. At the end of the day, your story is not about you. It's about him anyway. See, Jesus was interacting with these people like Nicodemus, and th they knew religion, but they didn't know abundant life. They didn't know about the Savior. And I would just ask you this morning, how are you using your story to point to the greater story of Jesus and what he's done in your life? If we're not, listen, if we're not telling our story, this is a challenge this morning. And I mean it in the kindest way I can possibly say it. If we're not telling our story, perhaps it's time to let the gospel penetrate our own hearts again. Isn't God good? What did God do for you? Why do you love Jesus? And yeah, I know you accepted him however long ago, but is he still changing your life? Is he still doing stuff for you today? Tell people about that. How are you helping the people in your neighborhood, at your school, at your work, take their next step towards Jesus? Because Jesus is ready to welcome them home, and you are an ambassador of the greatest story ever told. And I think I have to say this. Quit, quit talking about people and start talking to them. The world is watching our story, the story we get to tell is a story of grace 
and love. And I'm just telling you, if Facebook is your greatest way of telling people, stop it. All right? How many, okay, maybe it happened once. I don't know. But how many of your friends have ever accepted Jesus because of your belligerent, distant post about their behavior? I mean, God is powerful. I just have seen that's not usually the way that he works. He did not come into the world to condemn the world. And neither did you. So let me tell you how this story with Nicodemus ended. Jesus told him that day about the possibility of being born again. We never really heard what he did that day with it. But Jesus befriended Nick. Jesus opened his life to Nicodemus. He ate with him. He showed and shared God's grace-filled story with him. And we saw the beginning of that story back in John chapter 3. But now I'm skipping all the way to the end of the book of John chapter 19. And we see the conclusion. Because John 3 changed eternity for Nicodemus. You see, at the very end when Jesus was put on a cross, died for the sins of the world, guess who was there at the end to help take him off the cross? His friend Nick. See, somewhere along the way, Nick received the offer, author of life. The offer of friendship from Jesus. And Nicodemus was one of the two people there that day who removed Jesus from the cross after he was crucified. And I can imagine the, the tears that just streamed down Nicodemus' face. Because far before Jesus told Nicodemus he needed to change, he offered him life. He offered him to be born again, to become a brand new creation. So Hope Church, hear his voice. Open up your life to the people around you. Make sure you're meeting the needs of the people around you. But when the time is ripe, tell your story and tell it well. Express the hope that God has placed in your heart. And I'm telling you, if you'll make this a rhythm of your life, if, if you'll make this <clears throat> a, a habit like brushing your teeth, yeah. right? Every single week, do those things. Put them on your calendar. Because you know why? You calendar things that are important. Yeah. And being on mission with God is important. Here's what I know will happen. There's not a box big enough on the planet to contain what God can do through a person who genuinely yields themselves to the power of the Holy Spirit and lets God's story be told through them. And I'll say one more thing. There's not a church building big enough to hold a bunch of hope dealers who are hearing from God opening their lives to the people around them, providing for the needs of the people around them, and expressing their reason for the hope that Jesus Christ has placed in their heart. There's not room. So I bring you a challenge. Don't just have a hope in your heart that nobody knows about. Be a hope dealer. Everywhere you go, make it a habit to be a hope dealer. Bow your heads and allow me to pray this prayer of benediction over you. Let me remind you of who you are in Christ. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. 
a holy nation. You are God's special possession. Why? So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday, 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware at the Seaford Senior High School Auditorium. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's hope, D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening.